So today's message is entitled The Head. Because we can see Paul talk to the Corinthians about God's order for mankind and how it should be presented or represented in church gatherings specifically when it comes to when men or women are praying or prophesying. That's what he's specifically talking about. And the second part deals with how some people didn't handle the communion the right way and by doing so they clearly didn't fear God or understood what they were busy with so they they missed the head of the body the whole point of who Christ is hello and welcome to the love key church podcast where we share our church's message of the week my name is Heinz Winkler and together with my wife children and our leadership team we host love key church here in Somerset West online and on this podcast it is our mission to help you to encounter God align with his purposes reign in life and help others to do the same we trust that you will find this message empowering encouraging and inspiring please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us and a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so may you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message how many of you guys have had a bit of a or hopefully not just a bit, but like you've had a mind shift going through your daily thing because of the series we're busy with. Knowing that, listen, when I go out there, I'm faced with the darkness of the world, but I'm called to be the light. How many of you have had a, at least your thinking and how you go out in the day has changed? Okay, hallelujah, that's good. And, and how many of you have seen that there's a change in how you think and how you do things. And how many of you have been challenged to step out in faith and be the light? Anyone? Great. Hallelujah. Um, you know, God normally gives me the hardest sermon of all as I prepare in my, into my own life. And um, there's something that I've been putting off that I, He's put on my heart. Because there wasn't clarity on exactly what He wants me to do. So after preaching the message from last week, I was challenged and I was reminded of something that God has put on my heart to do. And it was to go and speak to the owner of a restaurant that I didn't know. And I didn't know what to speak to him about. And I've been putting it off. So I, Tuesday, I, I finally drove and went and, and I was sitting there waiting for him going, Lord, why am I here? <laughs> this can be very awkward, very quick. If you don't give me something to work with, I'm here. I'm, you know, I want to talk to him, but I don't know what to say to him. At this moment, I'm just going to say to him, you and your business have been on my heart. <laughs> and I'm here. Is there something I can pray for? <laughs> that was kind of my intro in my head. But as I was sitting there going, Lord, please show me. In an instant, I saw that this man has a daughter and that she has a problem with her one leg. Got a word of knowledge in that moment. So I went in there. At least now I have something. <laughs> and so we started talking and I said to him, listen, I, this is going to sound a bit weird, but I feel God sent me to speak to you. And, and I want to ask you something. Do you have a daughter? He says, I've got four. <laughs> I said, yes. <laughs> so, 
Can I ask, does one of them maybe struggle with any kind of medical challenge? He says, yes, the one, the third one, um, she's been struggling with her medical, uh, with, with her health most of her life and recently was in the hospital again. I said, is there something wrong with one of her legs? And he went, <laughs> he said, yeah, there's, there's this condition, um, I can't go into the detail in public, but she, there's something wrong with her leg and she was just in the hospital for that. So I said, I think I'm here to pray for your daughter. And so I prayed with him for his daughter and I also taught him James 5 verse 14. I said, you are your daughter's elder. You are the spiritual leader in her life. I don't know what you believe, but I want you to know that God sees you that way and that you can go home tonight and anoint her with oil and pray over her and trust him that she will get healed. So I did that, and, but it was just incredible for me. I, I'm waiting for feedback, and I'm hoping to share great news with you soon about a whole family who comes to Christ. Because he did tell me that, you know, he's kind of a cultural Christian, but, you know, not practicing. Um, so I'm trusting that a whole family will come to Jesus through that miracle. Amen? So you can trust with me for that. But what I wanted to share with you is that when your flesh is challenged, when your comfort is challenged... But God has spoken. Don't delay. Go. And trust that when the moment is right, He will tell you what to say. Doesn't He promise that in His Word? The Holy Spirit will give you the words in the hour you need it. That means there's going to be a time period where you don't know. That's the time period where your character in Christ, your maturity in Christ will be tested. It's not lacquer. Because it's your flesh dying. But on the other side of that is this thing where you just go, wow, God, you are so good. You are so faithful. Thank you that you chose to spoke through me to this guy. And that in that moment, he saw some light because you can see his pain over his own daughter and he can't do anything about it. Um, anyway, so just wanted to encourage you with that. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit every day, all day, because you never know when you might take a trip <laughs> to a restaurant. <laughs> all right. We are busy with a series uh, called Light in the Darkness. And I want to just remind us of our scriptures that we've been reading. Isaiah 60 verse 1 to 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Beautiful. Matthew 5.14 Jesus says to His disciples, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine, like a lampstand that gives light to everybody, let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen? Amen. Can you get excited about that? Did you know you are the light of the world? Three of you, all right. 
See, we need people that connect so that they can learn these things. <laughs> All right, quick recap. I'm lying. It's a long recap. So it's a recap of what we've been doing in this series. Our first session was called Influence. And we looked at the first few chapters of 1 Corinthians together with the story of Noah. Who can remember Noah? All right. And we asked a very important question. Who is influencing whom? Are we influencing the world more than they are influencing us? Or are they influencing us more than we are influencing them? And we had to struggle with that question and go, let's be honest. And if it's not the way it should be, how do we change it? On the se- in the second session, we spoke on a message called Judge. And we looked at 1 Corinthians 4-6 to and we linked it to the story of Jonah. And we looked at what it means to not judge people in the world, but that there is actually a space to judge in terms of bring the truth, admonish, help, and lift the firman, those who are in church with us. And then we also saw to not be quick to judge when God wants to show mercy to people who are unbelievers. And that was a powerful moment that we had there. And then while we were away, Carl preached a great message called Sanctified on 1 Corinthians 7 to 8, which was linked to the story of Adam and Eve. And we saw how important this process of sanctification is as we grow and mature in Christ. And then last week I spoke on a message called Crown. The focus was 1 Corinthians 9 to 10. And we learned about laying down our rights, our preferences, and to become whatever we need to become to others to reach them for the gospel while we run the race of faith with endurance, looking ahead for that imperishable crown. Amen? That is who we are. Can you get excited about what God is doing in our midst? Yay! Okay. So today, we're moving on to chapter 11. Um, I couldn't do more than one chapter this time because there's a lot just in this one chapter. And also, he starts with a very specific thing, as I said earlier to you, about spiritual gifts in chapter 12 and 13. So today we're going to get stuck into 1 Corinthians 11. And I've got good news for you. After today, you can walk out of here and know I have read the whole chapter 11. Because we're going to read the whole chapter 11. Because it's important to see how he's writing it, to whom he's writing it, what's the context and all that kind of stuff. So today's message is entitled The Head. Because we can see Paul talk to the Corinthians about God's order for mankind. And how it should be presented or represented in church gatherings, specifically when it comes to when men or women are praying or prophesying. That's what he's specifically talking about. And the second part deals with how people do, how some people didn't handle the communion the right way. And by doing so, they clearly didn't fear God or understood what they were busy with. So they, they missed the head of the body, the whole point of who Christ is. Now, as children of God, filled with Holy Spirit in relationship with Jesus Christ, we need to know, understand, and submit to God's order of things. Would you agree? If I'm born again and I say, I no longer live for me, I live for Jesus, I should submit to His order, okay? Let me remind us that Jesus is our King, who reigns over a kingdom. The kingdom is his domain, the king's domain. Would you agree? It's not a democracy. 
It's nice that you have an opinion before the King of Kings, but it doesn't carry as much weight as his word and decree. I'm not funny today. What's happening? What Jesus decrees stands. Amen? When we do not live from the place of submitting to his authority, there is much of God we will miss and misunderstand. Would you agree? All right. We can also know that even though we may not comprehend his ways or thoughts with our human limited understanding, firstly, he told us this in Isaiah 55, don't worry, my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts are higher than your ways. Okay, so even though we don't understand until he reveals it to us, um, he at the same time also says that he wants to invite us into the mystery of his ways. And Jesus even goes so far in John 15 to say to the disciples, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends, because a friend knows the master's plans. So yes, initially it may feel like, I don't know, I don't understand, I don't see the whole picture. And God's like, yeah, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thinking is higher than your thinking. But I want to invite you through Jesus Christ to come into a place where you start to see and understand and know what are my ways. But in order to do that, we need to come with a servant heart, humbly approach the throne of grace. Amen? Therefore, when God lays down his ways, and in this case, how he wants, not lays it down. When God tells us this is how it's supposed to be, he wants the order of things we need to pay attention. And choose to be obedient out of love for him. Are you with me? This is a very long introduction. Because it's a, it may be a difficult passage for some people. So I'm trying to put it into the perspective of us coming to the King of Kings, listening to his word and saying, I will submit. Amen. Now, to the ladies especially, I need to prepare your heart and mind. Please don't fall for the world's lie of thinking that I, as a man, am about to mansplain something to you. Have you heard that term? The feminists love it. Don't mansplain to me. I'm just explaining how it works. That's mansplaining. How should I explain it to you? <laughs> should I raise my voice higher? If it makes sense and it helps you, anyway, let's not go there. But I don't want you to get stuck... I don't want you to get stuck on what God is doing today because I'm a man and I'm speaking. That's what I'm saying. All right? Please listen. Some of the passages we read today may be difficult for you because it explains God's order for men and for women, for husbands and for wives. And because of the society we live in, you may hear this and struggle with an initial sense of offense. It may happen. And perhaps you have good reason because somewhere in your, in your life, some man or men may have made you feel less than or rejected or in some way inferior, which is not God's order or God's plan. But because of that hurt, you may be hearing me and the word of God in a way that's distorted. And I want you to choose to lay the distortion aside so that it Yes, there are broken people who may have broken something in you. But God is not broken. 
and his word is not broken. It stands firm and it stands true. Does it make sense? Okay. But I, I want to invite and encourage you to listen to these words with a fresh approach and an open heart and a mind to listen to God. Would the ladies agree to do that today? Great. Men, you thought you were not going to be spoken to? It may sound to you like you're quite literally the man when you read the passage we're about to read. But in our case, we need to know the profound weight of the position that God has for us in his order. And it is a serious responsibility. So as we read, let it sink in and let the Holy Spirit lead us into revelation. Amen? Okay, so we're going to read this together. Before I do that, I definitely need some water. Are you ready for the Word of God? (laughs) All right. We are a Bible-believing church. So when we read the Word of God, our approach is to read the Logos and wait for the Rhema, the revealing Word that the Holy Spirit will give us. And that is what we trust God for today. All right, are you ready? Are you strapped in? You have never read this much scripture at any other church. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. This very first part, some translations put in the end of the previous chapter because it seems a little bit disconnected from this chapter. But it starts out with imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Which is Paul saying as a leader, guys, look at my life as I look at Christ and follow me. And he says, now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I deliver them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. Every man praying and prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays and prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head for that is one and the same as if her head was shaved for if a woman is not covered let her also be shorn that means shave her head but if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved let her be covered for a man indeed ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God and all the men go who are But woman is the glory of man. And all the ladies go, yes. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is man Independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as women come from man, even so, man also comes through woman. But all things are from God. Judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it's a dishonor to him. But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her. 
for her hair is given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. All right. Who's with me? (laughs) I actually asked God, do I really have to preach on this chapter? It's difficult. Okay, so let's, let's break it down. We're going to do the first part first, and then we'll get to the communion thing after this. Paul again starts with a compliment. Do you see that? He started with a compliment telling them, hey, you guys are doing so well with the traditions that I've given you. Um, and then he shifts with the word, but. <laughs> He's very good at laying down an argument. <laughs> and tells them what God's order is. For man and woman, if they did not know or didn't get it, or sorry, he's saying it to them as if, you know, listen, you, you get this, you get the traditions and stuff that I've given you, but I want you to know this, that Christ is the head of man and man is the head of woman, as if they didn't get it or didn't understand it or they weren't doing it. So he's teaching them. Think about... What we are practicing today in our society when it comes to the order for men and women. And imagine what Paul may have written to our world today. Can you imagine? What kind of letter would Paul write (laughs) to us, to this world? Depending on which city he goes to, it could get very interesting. Why do you think Paul needed to clearly define the role of each gender? He says specifically, but I want you to know. That the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So the order that he gives is God, Christ, man, woman. Can you see that? God, Christ, man, woman. That is the order that he gives. God is ahead of Christ. Christ is ahead of man. And man is ahead of woman. Okay, do you get my little play on words? Good. Paul lays this down as a principle. So before he gets into the specifics of what you should wear or not wear, he lays down the principle. And that is the main thing we need to get from this. What is the principle? God has an order. And this is how it is. This is how God created it and intended it. God didn't make a mistake. He created exactly the way he planned to create. Now, some will see this as unfair and oppressive. If you think like this, you are not born again and mature in Christ. And, and, sorry, let me say that again. If you think that this is oppressive and wrong and unfair, then it may be that you are not born again and mature in Christ. I can understand that you will think that way if you are not. But if you're born again and you feel this way, you probably have some hurt that you haven't dealt with that makes you sensitive to any kind of scenario where a man may have any form or any impression of superiority over you. And when, when men do not understand this order in, in a biblical loving way, when men don't understand what this means, they will abuse it and they will hurt women. And unfortunately, that has happened over the ages. But that is not God's design. The the order that he gives is actually for everybody's protection. We have some military people in the house, so they need to tell me if I'm wrong about my next point. I should have actually 
also advice before this, but you may shout out if I say something wrong. If you ask a military person, why do they have an order in the military? And why do they work with orders? I believe they will tell you it's in order, it's in order to keep people safe and to save lives. Am I right? It's to keep you safe and to save lives. If we don't have order, and if we don't work by orders, people will die. It is that simple. God's order of how things should work and His orders are similar. It's just infinitely and eternally more important. But we don't approach Him that way. If someone comes out of the military, I think they actually understand authority so much better. You remember the centurion who spoke to Jesus and said, I understand authority. If you just speak a word, I know my, my child will be healed. And Jesus was like, I've never seen faith like this. He understands it. Okay. Now, I need to get into something sensitive again. We face a new kind of darkness in our time. So, the, the feminist thinking can cause some women to not want to read this and obey this and get their lives in line with this. Because of a warped idea created by people who are not in line with God. But there's another thing, another kind of darkness in our time that has been created by a loud minority and it's being peddled, it's, 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 being, uh, it's bringing a deprived ideology that gender is, first of all, fluid. And secondly, there's more than one. Can you see how this kind of ideology or narrative, in essence, is designed to flip around God's order? It is completely, it's going for the jugular of God's creation. Because if there isn't just man and woman, then what else is not true? In the beginning, God created. He created man and woman. According to His image, He created man and woman. Okay? Period. Punt strip. Because He created man first, He is the head of the woman because the woman came from man. That's God's order. Now, with the stuff we are reading and seeing and what people are peddling in the media and all these things that are happening, what are they trying to do? They're trying to flip it around. So that you think, yeah, well, I may have started out as a man, but I can become a woman. And you know what? Actually, there's more than one option for me to go to. Some of people are saying there's over 50. Some say there's up to 100. Really? So to be light in this kind of darkness, we need to know the truth of God's word. We need to believe it and we need to apply it and we need to share it with everyone. Because the world is shouting very loud at the moment. These lies, these broken things. And that's how we shine as light in a dark world. Now, right off the bat, I want you to notice that he specifically refers to when a man and woman is praying or prophesying. That's what he's doing. First off, the Greek word here for woman, whereas I noticed in some of the translations, it just says man and it says woman. But then in translations like the ESV, it speaks about husband and wife or just man and wife. So... I looked at the Greek, and the Greek word is gynaikos, which I'm sure you can figure out what comes from that word. It means woman, wife, 
young girl, it can mean any form of a, a, a woman. So it could mean woman, single woman in church. It could mean a wife. And I think it's important to notice that because someone might sit here today and go, well, I'm not married. But then I want to remind you that even though you may not have a husband, God's order still stands. And I believe that his order would then be that the father in your life is the head of your life. The man is the head of the woman. If you don't have a father or a good father, that's unfortunate and, and I know that sucks. It shouldn't be that way. But then still, who's the head of the man? Christ. So if the man that should be there that's missing, Christ is the head of who you are and God is his head. So that should be an encouragement to you if that's maybe your situation. But I want you to know that this, the order of God is not only applicable in marriage, but it's in society in general. But I want us to now focus on the fact that he is saying when a man prays and prophesies. So it sounds like, okay, he could have been wearing something on his head before he prayed and prophesied, but once he stands up to pray and prophesy, he needs to remove it. And that scripture says that he will bring dishonor to his head. I believe that head doesn't mean his physical head. I, mean, I believe it means Christ. He will bring dishonor to Christ who is his head. Because Paul just said, the head of man is Christ. And if he prays and prophesies without a covering, he will bring dishonor to his head. Who is Christ? Are you following me? Okay. And, do you th- and I also believe that he doesn't mean a woman's physical head. I believe he means a man or her husband. That if she doesn't cover... She is bringing dishonor to her husband. I believe from the scripture that the way we conduct ourselves during prayer and prophecy should reflect our understanding and acknowledgement of who our head is. Let me say that again. What we need to take from the scripture is that the way each of us conduct ourselves while praying and prophesying especially if we are together, should reflect that I understand I'm submitted to a head. For the men, it means I must see when you pray and prophesy, I submit to Christ. For the women, I must see that when you pray and prophesy, I submit to my husband or to a man in my life, father figure or Christ himself. Okay? Paul was speaking to a people with traditions of their own, who were influenced by a pagan lifestyle around them. It was necessary for him to point out how to conduct, should, uh, how, how they should conduct themselves and how it should reflect um, in their lives because their understanding was different. He was speaking to people who are used to doing something a certain way. And he's coming to say, no, this is how you should do it because it shows the following. Now, the order, as I said earlier, the order that we see here goes back to creation. And once again, we are linking to a story, and once again, we're linking to Adam and Eve, because it's literally what it's about. And because God created man first, he is before woman, and Christ is his head, his leader, or his authority. And because the woman was made from man, the man is her head. The order in which God ordained things to happen is the order in which they will remain. The order in which God made things happen, is the order in which they will remain. 
The order in which God made things is the order in which they will remain. Do you believe that? Paul says in so many words, for this reason, the woman should wear a symbol of authority on her head and he adds, because the angels are watching. First time I read that, I was like, that's kind of random. What I get from that, from my time in this passage, which I read over and over and over and over again, is that there, we are being watched by heaven. What are we doing? How are we praying and prophesying? Is it with the consciousness that heaven is watching? And he specifically says this to the woman. You should show symbol of authority because the angels are watching. I believe that should be an encouragement, but it should also give a weight that I, it's not a flippant thing. It's a serious matter. The angels are watching. Do you understand authority? And do you pray and prophesy from a position of authority? Can I also just point out the woman is praying and prophesying in church. Nowhere does it say women shouldn't do that. He says you should do that. But when you do it, we must see that you understand authority, order. Okay. Now, Paul has made this whole argument. And then he throws a word in there that makes you go, okay. The word is nevertheless. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman. But all things are from God. <laughs> okay? So if you stop reading at a certain verse, and that's why I read the whole piece. If you stop reading at a certain point and you start quoting that, Men can abuse the scripture. And women can take offense. But if you keep reading and you see the little word nevertheless, he brings balance in context. In this balance, sorry, if this balance was properly applied through the ages of church and civilization by men, I believe there would have been no need for a feminist movement. And the social emancipation attack that we see on men nowadays wouldn't happen. So men of God, men of God, pay close attention. We are not independent of women. What does that mean? We are dependent on women. And the same goes for the women. We all came from a woman and needed to be nursed by one. Amen? And this final argument to, to this point has to do with nature. After he's done the nevertheless, he says, it should be obvious that a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Men should wear, when, uh, women should wear long hair that their glory can shine. And men should not wear long hair. They should actually be wearing short hair because they already shine the glory of God. That's what he's saying. Roles differ in God's order. The role of the man and the role of the woman differ. But 
Each is critical. Try to understand it this way. The importance of the role of a man is as important as the role of a woman. But they're different. Okay. Now, the big question that we have at the end of this passage. Are these specific instructions all applicable to us as a church? Yes, of course. So, men, get a proper haircut. Short-haired ladies, sort of Got to grow some hair. Start drinking those Bob Martins. And while you're at it, go and buy a headscarf, because from now on, on Sunday mornings, I want to see every woman with a headscarf. That's what the word says. Men, no more caps, no more beanies. Sort It's done. Some of you said yes when I asked that question. Should we apply this? I meant literally everything he says. So, okay. Obviously, he was speaking to the church of Corinth with his specific situation that they had. He was laying up the principle and then he broke open specific practices for them. And I believe one of the main reasons was so that we can, when we come into church, we know that's a man, that's a woman. Because it wasn't obvious. So as an opinion from me, for, for, uh, for most men, and I, I want to share this. this so I can't take Paul's instructions and as a pastor say, from now on, this is how it's going to be. Men cut your hair, women grow your hair, put, a, put the duke on. I'm not going to do that because that's not the point of the scripture, I believe. But what I do want to share with you from, and this is personal opinion. That it is for the average man, a woman with long hair is more beautiful and desirable for a man. So just know that. It's not to say you must or you mustn't. It's to say, when, it, when he does say the long hair of a woman is the glory of a woman, that again is a principle thing. We need to be able to distinguish the principles from the specific instructions that he's given. All right. Just imagine you're walking into a church, you're standing at the back and looking at everybody, and you're like, I don't know if that's a guy or a girl. What do you think? <laughs> it shouldn't be a struggle. I believe that is a big part of what he's saying. I listened to um, David Pawson, who wrote Unlocking the Bible, and I read an article by David, uh, John Piper of Desiring God, and they both believe that one of the big things that Paul was trying to do here is to help them distinguish the, the very important role of man and woman. Because if it's not visible, it's harder to apply the order of God. Do you see that? All right. So I believe what it means for us as a local church is that we should get this principle for the men, it, it means to get and understand that the head of my life is Christ. What does that mean? He's in charge. He runs my life. I check with Him for everything I do, for every decision that I make. Amen? I am led by Him. Let me ask you this, men. If you are doing what you want to do, independent of God, 
you are just going to church out of religion, but not out of relationship, and you decide all your decisions yourself, do you think a wife would easily submit and make you the head of her life? I don't think so. But alternatively, if you are close to Jesus, if it's evident in how you pray and prophesy that you acknowledge Christ as your head, your wife will feel secure and safe. And she will be very attracted to you. And she will gladly make you the head of her life. Because what is he ultimately saying? If a man makes Christ his head, then the woman makes her husband her head, then Christ is the head of the home. That's God's order. When men do not apply this in a biblical loving way, that's when the mess starts to happen. When women get hurt and men do what they want, it is a mess. And that's why the world looks the way it does. Because we have lost an understanding, if we ever had it, of what this order should be. So how do we apply it at Love Key Church? Men understand the weight of what it means to make Christ your head. Understand that your wife looks to you to lead from Christ and your relationship with Him. And know that if you show that Christ is my head and I'm the head of my home, then that authority will go through into your wife and your children and your home. And your home will be a safe place where the presence of God is hosted. And that is what God wants for all of us. Can the women say amen? Can the men say amen? amen? All right. Amen. All right. Let's go to the second part of 1 Corinthians 11. He continues into this almost as if it's part of this first thing. But you can see it's, a, it's like a bullet point in his message to them. He's like, he's been waiting to bring this one. <laughs> That's the sense I'm getting. Like, okay, we need to talk about this. Let's see how he starts it in verse 17. Now in giving you these instructions, I do not praise you. So the, the instructions that are about to follow. Like, it's one of those, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. <laughs> it's one of those. Since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. Listen to this. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. And one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God, the head? And shame those who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
in the same manner he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes therefore he's laid up this whole thing of what they're doing wrong by eating before everyone else getting drunk the way they have communion he says the way you do it it can't be the lord's supper this is the lord's supper look what jesus said it is then he says therefore whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body body and the blood of the lord sure but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the lord's body for this reason many are weak and sick among you and many sleep for this reason many are sick For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with this world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. Kom met de vol magie. Lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. All right. Paul goes on in chapter 11 to address the terrible way in which some of them are approaching the Lord's Supper, communion. The utter selfishness and disrespect has Paul very upset and appalled, apparently. Some would rush to eat everything, some would get drunk, and in the process, the poor are neglected in the community. And all these things, Paul's like, what are you doing? He makes a link between the fact that there are factions and divisions and how things go with communion. Remember how earlier in Corinthians he said that when we break bread and have communion, it causes for there to be unity among us. Now he says there are factions. If, there are, if there's disunity, then the Lord's Supper will not be honored in the right way. Can you see that? So when there's disunity and when people are only caring about themselves, the communion meal is not what it's supposed to be. Paul goes on to remind them of why we have communion and how Jesus instituted it. It is amazing to see what Jesus did in that moment. But I want you to see something. I grew up thinking, and I believe many people still think this, that when Paul says you should examine yourself and not do it in an unworthy way, lest you drink and eat judgment upon yourself... Many people believe, and I used to believe, that he meant you should not have sin in your life or unrepented sin in your life before you use the symbols. But when you read the whole context, Paul is not actually specifically referring to sin in your life or sin you haven't repented from. He's referring to the way they are having the Lord's Supper. If you do it in an unworthy way, which is eat before everyone else, get drunk, do it in a selfish way, neglecting the poor. That is the unworthy way. If you do it that way, you drink judgment upon yourself. And that's why some of you are sick. Some of you are not feeling well. That's why there's judgment in your life. 
So we need to all go, when I do the Lord's Supper together with others, I should examine how I'm doing it. Once again, am I acknowledging the head, Christ? Am I loving my neighbor while I'm doing this? Are these things that they, sorry, are these things that they did sinful? The way, if you act selfishly and don't treat people well, are you sinning? Yes. So yes, it is sin. But notice, it's not exactly what Paul is referring to. Now, am I saying that we can take communion when we have sin in our lives and we have unrepented sin in our lives? Probably not a great idea to do that. I would ask you the question, why do you have unrepented sin in your life? When you know the answer, run to God, confess your sin, repent. He is, he is faithful to forgive you. That is every day, all day for a Christian. You understand? So when you come to the communion and you're like, okay, I'm going to have dink. Have I prayed over all my sin? And that's the only thing you think about before you use it because you're worried to drink and eat judgment on yourself. That's not the point. The point is, how am I having communion with my fellow brothers and sisters? Do you see that? I feel like I'm... Are you, does it make sense? Do you, do you agree with what the Word of God says? It's not me saying it. It's the Word of God. You can go and take that little line that says, Do not eat and drink judgment upon yourself and think, yes, it's about my sin in my life in general. But it's not. I feel like I'm hitting a cultural wall here. Do you want me to read it to you again? <laughs> My wife's like, let's get home. All right. So, technically and theologically, I believe that judgment and consequent illnesses that he's talking about are linked to doing communion in an unworthy manner. But let us not walk around and do communion with unrepented sin or with sin in our lives. That's the rest of the Bible talks about how we shouldn't sin. And how we shouldn't carry it around. But I don't want you to walk into communion and take the little bread. And the only thing you're worried about is, have I confessed all my sins? That's not what this is saying. Would you agree? Are there theologians in the house that disagree? I was expecting a debate. All right. We are going to focus on Jesus, we're going to ask God to bring these truths and, and lay them strongly into our, our thinking, into our understanding. I want to give an opportunity for those who want to give their lives to Christ to do so, for those who re want to recommit their lives to do so. But then I also want to take a specific moment that I feel God has laid in my heart to trust, to trust with those of you who are business owners or in business and you have I have the sense that there are deals or contracts or tenders that are out and it's waiting and hanging and it's not coming through. Is there anyone like that waiting for stuff to happen? Okay. See, once again, God spoke and it's there and we're going to pray for it. But what I want to do today is I want to, we're going to give an opportunity for an altar call for recommitment and we're going to ask those who are trusting God for breakthrough in terms of business and business deals specifically to just stand 
And then when we do communion, we are going to do it in a worthy way because we all have. No one has been skipped over. If you are hungry and you've taken five, put the four down because we won't do it in an unworthy way. And we will take communion. We will take the bread, the body of Christ. We will take the juice, the, the, the blood of Christ. And we will, yes, remember what Christ did for us because that's the whole point. But we will also focus our attention to take communion for those who just gave their lives to Jesus, for those who recommitted their lives, for those business people that are trusting God for breakthrough. Amen? Does that make sense? All right. So please, let's stand together. And let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I worship you. I honor you. You are good. You are God. You are faithful. You are true. You are just. Your word is powerful. It is a two-edged sword that cuts through bone and marrow. Lord, I could feel this was a difficult word to bring, to minister, but I know that your word is truth and your word is powerful. So I pray that this will fall on fertile soil and bring healthy spiritual fruit in people's lives. I pray that men will discover their identities with you as their head. I pray that women will discover their true identities as they understand that I need to submit under my husband or under, under, under men because God says so. And that we will see a healthy order of God in our midst. Help us, Lord, to walk this out in this world. Amen. Thank you, Father. Right now, I want to give an opportunity. Anyone that's here that, that experienced something about the truth of God's Word, and the Holy Spirit is talking to you, you've got this sense in your heart and it's hard to explain exactly what's happening I want you to know that that's God pulling you closer saying my son my daughter come home I know who you are you may struggle to know who you are but I know who you are come home and I'll show you if that's you today if you want to give your life to Christ if you want to say I want to be, have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. No more my plans, my ideas, my way. I want to say Jesus is the way. If that is you today, please raise your hand so we can see who you are, that you are here today. Anyone want to give their life to Jesus today? Anyone? Thank you, Jesus. All right. If that's you online, please send us and a hands up emoji or say that's me I want to make the decision and we'll follow up with you online if, if you're here today and the word of God has moved you and you realize man I need to I need to come back into full alignment with Jesus it's so easy to fall on a path of compromise if you want to make a decision today to say Lord I want to recommit my life and I want to I want to follow you wholeheartedly and lay down all the stuff that I've allowed in my life if that's you today just raise your hand for me. Just raise your hand, please. Okay. If you did raise your hands and I didn't see you, please come to the front because there is a spot that's quite dark where I can't see. Please come to the front. We'd love to pray with you and for you.
Anyone? Okay. I saw a hand go up there. I'm not sure. All right. Well, glory, hallelujah. Everyone is saved. Everyone is living completely wholeheartedly for Jesus. That's awesome. If for some reason you didn't want to come out right now, but you do need prayer or you do want to talk to someone, please, after the service, come here to the front and we will chat to you. We will make sure that you are taken care of spiritually. Amen. All right. Then, those who are those business people who are trusting God for breakthrough, who are trusting for that contract to be signed, for that tender to be accepted, for whatever it might be, will you please raise your hands? Come on. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. All right. Will all of you please come to the front so we can pray for you and trust together with you. Bring your communion with you. Bring your communion with you. Thank you, Jesus. There's another thing on my heart. Are there any parents here today with a child that is off the path that God has for them? A prodigal child, a son, a daughter, okay, or a, or a parent or a sibling that may, that may be far from God and you are trusting for their salvation. You're trusting for them to come home. Is there anyone here that's trusting God for that? Prodigal child, prodigal Okay, awesome. So we're going to, will you come to the front as well, please? We're going to trust God for a big move today. So what we're going to do is, I want us all to take communion right where you're standing. And we are going to then pray and trust God for breakthrough. Amen? All right. Can my wife and I also get a, the symbols, please? Thank you. Awesome. So like Paul said, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, take, eat. This is my body which was broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. It says, in the same manner, he took the cup. He says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you will proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us take the juice. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for your word. We have chosen today to drink this juice and to take this bread in a worthy manner where we acknowledge that you are the head of your church and we are your body and that when we come together we take communion we take the Lord's Supper and Lord as we take these symbols today we want to specifically pray into these people that are standing here that are business owners 
or, or, or trusting you for breakthrough, Lord, in a contract or a business opportunity or whatever it might be. I want you all to just raise your hands to heaven. Just raise your hands to heaven. Just, this is a sign of surrendering to God, but also to be open to receive from God. Amen. So Lord, we stand here together with these businessmen and women. And as we've taken this communion of your body, you, Lord, who said you became poor so we can be rich. You said, Lord, that you have come to set the captives free. You've come to bring life and life in abundance. Lord, we pray now in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ that every contract, every tender, every business idea, every opportunity, every loan that is being trustful, that you will bring it through and bring it into fruition in the name of Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord, that you will help them and bring them into a place of being strong financially, of being free to do what you have called them to do, to do big exploits for the kingdom of God, to sow generously into the kingdom of God. So Lord, I pray that whatever is standing in the way of these things that you want to make happen, that you will move them out of the way and that you will bring breakthrough. We pray breakthrough and we pray favor and we pray open doors over these people in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we all say we agree in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, now we're going to trust God for those prodigal children or family members. Lord Jesus, we also bring before you every child, every sibling, every parent that is far from you. That has, in a way, run away to do what they want to do. And it's leading to so much destruction and dysfunction. Lord, I first of all want to pray for every, every mom, dad, family member that is constantly thinking of that person, constantly praying, that are worried and fearful maybe, that you will come and bring your peace and your rest that goes beyond all understanding. Holy Spirit, just, just touch them right now, their hearts and their minds, and bring your peace and your rest. Let them know that you are God. And you have got this. Bring your peace and your rest. And Lord, we want to specifically bring every boy, every girl, every man, every woman that is being trusted for today before you and say, Lord, you've created them. You love them. You have a calling on their lives. We believe that. So Lord, we stand together as a unit today in solidarity as a, as a church and Lord, as we've taken communion, we just pray right now that you will bring every one of those into your kingdom. We pray for them to be saved. We pray for them to give their lives to you. I pray for godly, supernatural encounters for them to, to wherever they might be in whatever dark place they might be, that your light will shine brightly where they are right now. Lord. Lord, appear to them in dreams. Appear to them in visions. Send people on their path to, to, to share your word, to share your truth, to give them words of knowledge, words of wisdom, whatever it might be, Lord. We pray that you will have them have an encounter with you that they cannot walk away from, but that it will bring them home. If they are nearby, I pray that they will come to this church and that they will become part of our family and we will walk with them. Lord, I pray for salvation. 
I pray for healing. I pray for restoration. For those who did serve you one time but have gone astray, Lord, I specifically ask that you will remind them of the joy of their salvation. And that whatever choices they've made that are keeping them away from coming back to you because of guilt and shame, that you will cancel that right now in the name of Jesus. And your freedom and your life and your truth will shine more brightly than anything they think they are facing. And that that will bring them home. Lord, we invite them into your kingdom. Send your ministering angels to speak to them. And bring them home. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give God a praise offering because it is done. I believe it is done. If you want any more prayer or support of any kind, just remain here and we will make sure someone prays with you. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. Um, Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. Remember to sign up for School of Evangelism and remember to also make sure you get tickets for the Women's Conference. We love you. God bless you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Podcast, Message of the Week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God. It will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.